Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary. Uh, it's the time for the podcaster, and I've been thinking about if I was a if I was a pod if there was a podcast if I was a podcaster and I was a biopic. Uh, as would be as a few of them. This would be a snore. A snore is shorn. I think that's the best one I have. But uh, a boar. Oh, I, I thought I wrote. Oh, boar is born. That was the easiest one. But then I was like, oh, you'll sleep till morn, sleepless and forlorn. His jokes are full of corn and his tropes are well-worn. Uh, it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast to put you to sleep. And we don't have the mystery bar, those of you that have been at multiple live shows. So I have to sing his part. Uh, and here it goes. Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful wrote the theme I know I'll get through this as fast as I can. Wrote the theme song. And edits episodes, yeah. Carl W's a legend. Also edits episodes. Kenny, Scotty, and Jennifer honor, honor, honor artwork. There's a reason I don't sing on the podcast. Eric and the team had a sound around the website. I am the mystery bard. I do the lullabies, yeah. I've got an album out at songjonathanman.net. I'll write a song for you, any reason at all. You tell me a story, I'll make it personal you see the kindness shine straight on through and the listeners form their own facebook group keith julie laura julie julie and jennifer these are our moderators you can support dear scooter on patreon buy the merch and support the sponsors you can find everything you want sleep with me podcast.com we're so proud we could dance to be a part of night vale presents and now on with the show Okay, so this is my forte, uh, but uh, and, and now, uh, oh, I'm at Dear Scooter on Twitter and Instagram, that's where you can find me, and uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast and the live show to put you to sleep or to put you in a chill-out mood. Uh, we do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could relax. You could sink into your chair. You could sink into your cushion. You could get comfortable and let the day drift away. Um, what I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, a, a, a generously slow pace, go off topic for sure, definitely go off topic, uh, and, uh, you know, get, you know, circuitous logic. There's two people just walked by outside in onesies, and I don't think they were coming in here. That's weird. Uh and, uh, yeah, get distracted. I don't know. I guess, uh, as the time changes, I'll get more distracted by the outside. Uh, but structurally what to expect, especially with the live show, it's not that different than the normal show. We'll start off with the intro. Intro will be about 12, 10, 12 minutes where I'll try to describe what the podcast is and my latest, you know, things with sleep. Then we'll do a story. Tonight it'll be a story about my one of my dream jobs in the beautiful city of Oakland, California. They are in the right place. Uh, um, and 
rule-wise, so let's just structure the show. One thing I've learned about the live show is uh, that, uh, like, is ending it. When I first started doing it, the first couple live shows just ended, and I realized that didn't work. So what I'll do is I'll try to slowly bring you back in the last few minutes of the show. Uh, and if we have a little time, we'll do a quick Q&A, though it is a school night, so... Um, we got to keep that in mind. Uh, as far as rules for the live show, it's not that different than the main podcast. Um, like, uh, you, you don't need to listen. This is a live show where you don't have to feel like you need or need to give me any eye contact or pay attention. Uh, you can chill out in your seat. You can give a thousand yard stare. If you need to get up and use a restroom or check your phone, that's fine too. So, so just get comfortable. Uh, another thing with live show versus main podcast that I like to give is like, there's no snow, like you shouldn't have any snore anxiety. So there's no snore shaming. So if you do fall asleep and you start snoring, you know, people may laugh or giggle, uh, but we won't like, it'll be laughing with you and you shouldn't feel like it's cute to be honest, like when you snore. So it's a good sign. So don't worry about that. If you start snoring. Or any other noises, like uh, I've heard, we've heard them. Uh, we've heard them all. So just be comfortable. Uh, structurally, what to expect. You don't need to listen. And, and it is, I guess with the live show, it's a little bit different than there's no pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here. We're all going to be here about an hour. And I, I just want to take your mind and, uh, you know, see where we go. We're going to take a nice uh, rolling trip uh, through some of my work history. And believe me, it's, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be, it'll take a while. It really, uh, if I can overcomplicate it, I will. And the most important thing is the reason I make the show is because I've been there. And I know for some of us, it's like this, uh, this spring ahead thing. And there was really, I, I realized that this is, it's not a huge deal, but this is a, so I've gone through with the podcast now six spring ahead. So 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. And it it, it always gets old. It never, it never gets any better. I, this time I was out of town. I was in a hotel. And I didn't even realize, like some reason, I, even though this is my job, is uh, I always forget that it's National Sleep Week. And, and then I forget when it's time to spring ahead. I kind of try to keep it off at this, at this distance. And I was on this uh, elevator and I saw this sign and if I saw a clock on it and I wasn't really paying attention. And it also looked like it was made in like with print shop, like 97. Uh, and I was like, uh, and then I started reading, I said, oh, Saturday is time to spring ahead. And I was like, oh, like, I had, and then I didn't know what day it was because I was at a conference and I was like, oh, wait, Saturday's tomorrow. And I was like, okay, is it? Then you mix up because it says Saturday, but it technically is spring ahead, I think, on Sunday. And then I started to think about, and, and, and normally on the podcast, I can't go this specific, but I started to think about my flight because I had a flight at like uh, it's 730 in the morning. And I, I know if you listen to this podcast, you probably uh, get that feeling when you say, okay, wait a second, how am I going to, how many alarms do I need to set? So I started thinking and planning my alarms. And then I was like, uh, when you call nowadays, and I didn't find this an answer, I said, when you call the, um, well, I said, should I call and have a wake up call? Well, no, they'll probably get mad at me. And they said, or my neighbors will get mad at me. And they said, well, maybe now we've advanced 
so much that it can just do a wake-up call without talking to somebody. But I just did. I set my phone alarm and then the room alarm. I couldn't figure out how to advance the clock in the room. And then I started worrying about, okay, am I going to get enough sleep? Like, when, how am I going to fall asleep now that I'm worried about getting up to go to the airport? Am I going to make my flight? Uh, then it's like, okay, I'm only, what am I going to do? I'm only going to sleep six hours. Like, tomorrow's going to be a disaster. And it just, you know, it just starts to pile on and pile on, and, and it becomes a repetitive, whatever they call it, to self, you know, where you make make that thing come true. And I can tell you being a couple days out from it that uh, what I really needed, and this is why I make the show, I guess, is like I'm dealing with all these brain bots and uh, is like I really just needed somebody from the future, me, to say, hey, man, I realize you're stressed out, uh, but uh, you, you got, you're going to, you're going to, you'll probably sleep like five or six hours. Then you have the flight. You, you got a six hour flight. You could sleep two hours and then you could work four hours, and I think you're going to be okay. I think, I think, but I can see why you're stressed. And you know, I wouldn't want to sleep through my alarms either. And I don't know what kind of crazy fool invented this daylight savings time. You know, most people blame it on farmers now or whatever. Like, but it, or like, wouldn't it be confusing if we kept a daylight savings time? Like, I think that's what people say they want, but then it's like. I never, I, I, it confuses me with the EDT or the ET anyway. Uh, but yeah, sometimes you just need a voice outside of yourself to kind of say, hey, and it's weird because I was listening to a podcast uh, today when at the end of the podcast was a similar subject in a bigger context came up and it's like, hey, I know it's, it's rough. I know it's scary. Uh, and in this case, it's just like, I'm out here. I'm going to talk about uh, something a little bit goofy and a little bit silly and you can just listen and chill out and and, and drift off. Uh, so I guess that's also why I make the show and why I keep we say, well, how do you make 750 episodes? And I say, well, if I ever get grounded and become enlightened, the podcast will be in big trouble. But until that day, we don't really have a lot to worry about. So uh, and that is, I guess, a good, good case of self-perpetuation. Uh, so that's why I make the show, and uh, it's really my honor, and, and it's an honor to be here celebrate. I guess this we should have had a party. We could have had a spring ahead party, and we could have uh, maybe we could have burned a clock in effigy or something. Um, or I guess like what would we do? Like take a mechanical clock and force it backwards. Uh, so I, I, my main message is: I'm glad you're here. And I really hope tonight I can help you chill out or help you fall asleep. And I really appreciate all of you coming out on a Wednesday night. Uh, and in the general show, I'm really, really glad I can keep you company or take your mind off of stuff. And, uh, yeah, and then, then let's uh, keep the show uh, going. And as I said, as I teased in the opening, I was going to talk about my jobs, but there's one thing that, that led to the making of this episode. And I don't know if there's a scientific word for it, but I call it a um, geographic audio brain fusion. And I don't know what scientists would call it. And, and I, it makes me think of like learning. Like, I don't know if I'm an auditory learner or a visual learner. I don't know if I'm, I, I probably am some combination of those. But with audio, it particularly spoken words, so podcasts and NPR, 
a lot of times when I'm listening to stuff, like where I am physically fuses with the audio in this indelible way. Like some examples are whenever I drive to LA and I get to the grapevine, I think of either Rosie O'Donnell or Conan O'Brien, depending on which direction I'm going, south Rosie O'Donnell, north Conan O'Brien, because I listen to interviews with them. Or I had this time when I first discovered podcasts, like in the, the, the aughts, I guess people call it, I drove from here to Portland to Seattle and uh, to Vancouver. I was listening to all these podcasts and is really when I fell in love with podcasts as a, they could be about anything. And I was just listening to everything I could download. And so when I think about the Pacific Northwest and these different turns and, and these different views, I think about different shows and also think about holding, holding it in because there wasn't a lot of places to stop. So, and then uh, here in Oakland, in beautiful downtown Oakland, California, as Roman Mars says, uh, but I, I actually think of like the, this job has took place over the whole city of Oakland. Um, I think about this interview I was listening to where uh, it was a fresh air where Terry Gross was interviewing John Waters. And I can even picture the house that I was standing in front of when I was listening to it and letting the engine run in the, the truck I was in. And you sh if you could look it up, it's got to be about 10 years old. And I, now that I make audio, I wonder if Terry was like setting it up. But she asked him this question about his childhood. And he gave her such a like amazing, he absolutely blew her mind. Uh, and it was just a simple question. And, and, and I was like, now that I look back, I'm like, was, was, did Terry know he was going to answer that question that way or not? Because she was, she, it was just a simple setup and, and, uh, it, it, as a parent, it's really like this, uh, uh, I don't want to misquote John Waters, but definitely if you have a chance to listen to Terry Gross interview John Waters. But so the Hills of Oakland and, and NPR and these interviews to me are very tied together. But what was I doing uh, to, to get these uh, to, to get these memories? Like uh, what was my job? And that's where things get interesting. Like and and also, you know, sometimes sleep with me. You know, we leave, we have to leave the scientific method behind, right? And uh, we we j j wander into the world where uh, fiction abuts reality. And this one might sound like that to you, because my official job for this job was stone fruit protector. And while it, might, it definitely sounds like a grand title, and it was a grand job. And what the natural question from that is like, what is this, what are you protecting stone fruit from? And this is like where it delves out of sleep podcast territory. So I'll only say this ideally once, but we were protecting the stone fruit from invasive fruit flies. And believe it or not, like I was so surprised to learn that, especially from someone from, I grew up on the East coast that every county in the Bay Area has its own Department of Agriculture in addition to the state. And the disease Department of Agriculture's have these, I mean, it's a, I mean, I don't want to brag, but it's like a bit like being a knight of the round table, just like for stone fruit. But like uh, it, it, they have these people that spend all day protecting the stone fruit of the state. And, uh, and I, I got to be one of those stone fruit protectors. I got to look up like a, uh, like how, how? Well, let's see. Where should I start? It is uh, how do you get a job as a stone fruit protector? That's one question. Uh, what What does a stone fruit protector do? 
is scoots are you telling the truth yeah that's a good question too um and and those kind of things but also why was it uh, uh, i guess it wasn't my dream job it wasn't the perfect job it was one of those unbelievable jobs that came just at not the perfect time and some of the i'll just give you some of the great parts of the job one was that you worked four ten and a half hour days uh instead of whatever, seven and a half or eight and a half hour days. So you always had Fridays off. Uh, the second part of the job was that 95% of it took place either outside or in a truck. So you could listen, I got to listen to tons of podcasts and tons of radio and even some well, music in the radio, well, like, but music, uh, and, uh, also because like, like I said, it's like a very, big job instead of like a, a lance or a sword we had 10 foot we i got to work with a 10 foot pole as a professional like that was my job like that was my main tools a 10 foot pole and it, and it, and again like i love making sleep with me this is really a dream job too i think about if i had time traveled back and went into my childhood bedroom and i said well hey kid what are you dreaming about and he said well this 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 well, how about this? Like one day you'll work with a 10 foot pole and protect stone fruit and you'll put people to sleep. Like, uh, say, really? Let's, I can't wait. Uh, so I really consider myself lucky. Like, so those were some of the perks of the job. How did I get the job? I, you know, I got to tease this out for a while before we get to the actual protection of the stone fruit. Uh, like most jobs, uh, this like where most great things start. This took place in a laundry room. Uh, I was in a laundry room. My daughter Sophia, that's here tonight, she had just been born, and I was in the laundry room. Usually, just like I like to avoid people. It was apartment building laundry room. I try to just like on public transit, keep my eyes down, keep my eyes on the laundry, get it in the washer, and get out of there without any conversations. Uh, but one of my neighbors was in there, Eric, and Eric and his wife had just had a child too, uh, a son. And so he, of course, he wanted to talk to me about it. And I said, "What's your? I gotta, I gotta get this. This laundry still. I gotta get the laundry upstairs while it's still warm. You know, I like to fold it while it's still." And he said, "Oh, I heard you're um you're having a you're, you're kind of in an interesting job situation." And I was, it, my whole life, I've been in interesting job situations. At this particular time. I uh, had a had a job working from a couple of my friends, and I didn't have benefits, which was a tough thing. And I was uh, like, and this is actually true. You could, I, I think, the last time I updated my LinkedIn profile was around then. I, I sold fuzzy dice that you hang in your car and uh, iron-on patches, like wholesale, not just you know, not just out on the street, like. Uh, and uh, so, like, actually, I'm going to use some of these. So like what is like in this company was based in San Leandro and then Alameda. So I would call businesses in uh, like like a like a Santa Monica. That was probably a good customer. And I would call the city of Santa Monica or Santa Monica Tourism Board and say, hey, we got some new patches with the uh, waves on them. We've got some good surfboard ones uh, or stores in the mall were always good. Uh, like hot, well, hot dog on a stick is more of a business. So we would try to sell them like, uh, patches for their uniforms, you know, hot dog patches or stick patches, maybe a soda patch, or maybe like, uh, I think it, they, that would probably be, they have nice colors, uh, 
Walden Books. I did call a lot of bookstores. These ones were tough because you'd have to get the corporate buyer. Well, you'd say Walden Books would probably be good for buttons. Uh, we also sold one-inch buttons. I got to make the buttons and work in it. That wasn't, that wasn't really a dream. It was really a, it was like working a button machine. That like took too much focus. You couldn't listen to podcasts or audio during that. Uh, other things, uh, Fuzzy Dice, Antwerp. Uh, yeah, I think like that would be an easy sell because we'd get some Fuzzy Dice that were the color of the Belgian flag or some football style ones. Spencer's Gifts, that was definitely the dream client for sure. Uh, I don't know, like, so I think we have Spencer's Gifts and Hot Topic, and those are great for patches. That's where kids go to buy patches, uh, like, look at posters that are not appropriate for kids. Um, And uh, Fuzzy Dice, probably, uh, patches, like, uh, I think the the one button they always gave me at work was, uh, it was uh, NBM, not boyfriend material. That's what they would make me wear at work. Forbidden City, that could be another client. Like any any place that had a lot of uh, like tourism, uh, Portland, Oregon. Now Portland, Oregon was uh, like a, definitely a good spot. They definitely had. I mean, any place where people were like where it was four twenty, like people said, well, it's four twenty somewhere. Uh, was a good like good had a, would have a lot of places for a patch salesman and a fuzzy dice salesman uh, to call on. And then any like car shows were another good Chicago. I think they have a big car show there. So I'd try to get people like before they would go to the car show, they would buy, um, let's see, I had a, a one hot, hot rod place and they would buy like, we're talking four or 500 fuzzy dice, you know, like my favorite fuzzy dice color, just cause we're talking about it. I know you guys want to know is a pink leopard. Like if I had a car, I would have the pink leopard. Lululemon, as a dyslexic, this is like one of the hardest like corporate brands for me to even, when I look at it, I say, like, not, I wrote it, I had to leave a space in there. Um, I don't know, I guess we could get, that's the Omega sign I think they use. So they would probably end up suing us for, for that. Hot Topic, yeah, that's a, that's a good place to buy patches. Catman Do, uh, I, I think, the, I mean, I'm not even kidding if you think about like, they don't call them head shops anymore, but I think like that's what my mom called it when she was like, where, where, what's in your pot? Where did you go to the head shop? But, uh, I think words like cat man do, that does sound like a story that used to be on Telegraph Ave, uh, where, where you'd, that would, that I would call. But so I wasn't very good at that job. I was, I guess I'm good at talking about it as in a sleep podcast context. Uh, but it, and it, I guess it is a blow to the self-esteem when you're not a good fuzzy dice and 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 uh, like iron on patch. So I was just holding on to that job. So Eric knew this in the laundry room, and he said, "Well, believe it or not, I just had a, a promotion at work, and I'm leaving this job. It's unbelievable. You should you should take it. It has full benefits. It's with the county of Alameda, and." He goes, it's just an awesome job. And meanwhile, I was still kind of focused on myself. I was like, I got to get, I, seriously, man, I got to get this laundry. Like, you wouldn't believe how hard it is for me to fold cold laundry. This is great. And he goes, oh, how's Sophia? You know, how's, let's talk about it. And I said, okay. But then he kept, t- he, w- he was a very friendly and he was really nice. And he kept talking about this job. 
And, and, and there was something about, he, he told me about the 10 and a half hour days and being outside and he planted a seed in my mind. So I went back up to my apartment and, and I kind of tried to forget about it, but I kept being like, huh, like maybe I should check this out. I've never applied for a job with the county or the government before. And uh, so I looked online and, and it was like, a, it's a, it's a different process. Like you, uh, first you check to see if you qualify for the job with like, whatever courses you may have had to take or work experience you needed. And, and for this job, for Stone Fruit Protector, I just had enough biology credits to qualify to apply. And then you take these supplemental questions, kind of like essay questions, and you fill them out. And then you wait to hear if you qualify for a test. Now, at this, so I did it. I said, okay, like, what's the harm? It's, it's free. Let's just see what happens. And, uh, now, at this point, like a more grounded person would actually tell Eric, the guy that used to work there, that he was going for the job. But that's not, I, I did not, it, looking back at it, it was like, I didn't tell Eric I applied for the job. Then I got a, a thing in the mail that said, hey, you're qualified for the test. This is your testing date. I didn't tell Eric I was going to take the test. Now, I do love tests. Like, there's something about the way my brain was mismade or whatever that uh, I love trying to figure out what people are going to ask on tests. So then I, it like took my puzzle brain and I was like, well, what would I ask on a, what would I ask a stone fruit protector? So I just started studying for, for uh, like tests I was imagining taking and I kept studying and learning about these fruit flies and imagining the, you know, the grand battles that uh, stone fruit protectors have. And, and so then I went in for this test and it was like a, it was some uh, like written questions and then a kind of a board exam or whatever with two people. And but they were like, like, I mean, it was definitely pandering. Like I was like in there, like, oh, do you know that you wouldn't, most people don't know the difference between a med fly and a, you know, like trying to crack jokes. But they the, just had enough information that by the end of the thing, they were like, uh, they, they were like, holy cow, like you actually like know what this, know about this stuff. And, uh, they were like, as long as your driving record's clear, like we think you'll have the job. And I was like, actually, I think it like, they're definitely like, they kept, I'm like, no, my driving record's clear. And they're like, are you sure it's clear? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up, I got the job and, uh, I went, went in and, and there's a big ceremony when you first get the job, like where you're presented with your pole and they, they tap you on your shoulders and your forehead. And then you, then after that, it's kind of like a normal job. You get trained for a couple weeks. And now for people that become stone fruit protectors, there was like a, it was probably like 20 people that worked there, stone fruit protectors. And there's two tracks more or less, like young people that had science degrees, particularly biology degrees, and were kind of interested in a biology career. And then people like me, because I was in my 30s and, and like that are a little bit lost, we'll say, that are they're finding their way through life. And so I fit, it was like one workplace where I fit in perfect. Like it was like, wow, these are my, I'm finally home. Like, uh, so it was, I felt comfortable. I got trained in, uh, so what is this? Okay. So that's how I got the job. Now, what is this? Like, let's get to the, the, the gusto here. Like, what does a stone fruit protector do? And is it real? And, and all that stuff. So let's see. How do I explain this and make it even more confusing? So, okay, the state of California is, the, and this is stuff I learned on the job. I only, of course, learned half facts, but 
the state of California is broken into the entire state is broken into numbered one by one mile grids uh, by the agriculture, the state agriculture department. And each of those grids is then broken in. I guess it's not a quadrant because they're broken into fifths. So each one by one mile grid has a north quadrant. I guess it's not quadrant, but north, south, east, west, and a, a central uh, quadrant. And the job of the stone fruit protector is to check all of those quadrants across the whole state to make sure the stone fruit's okay. And how does this work in the real world? So if you're, if ideally like start to think about male people, like uh, it, it really isn't that different than being a stone fruit male person if you think about male people, and I guess I don't know, this is just what my, I guess talk about assumptions. Like I'm just making a big assumption, but I assume that because most of the time you see the same male people that, that they have routes in that they have like an assigned route they follow every day or every week. It, but that's how the stone fruit protectors work. So we had a route and it was a, a route laid out, uh, in like uh, adjoining grids. I don't know if anybody here ever used a Thomas guide or lived in an area where you needed a Thomas guide, but it really wasn't that different than that. Like each grid in your route was, uh, there was a corresponding grid before or after it. And I got so lucky. Not only did I get this job, but I got my grid, my route. And they said it was the second hardest route in the County, uh, because like it was like open when I got there, but it was Oakland uh, between Claremont uh, in the north, Claremont Avenue, all the way from the port, all the way up to the hills uh, where the parks are, and then to the uh, south and east uh, Park Boulevard. So all of Oakland from the port all the way up was uh, were all of the grids I was supposed to cover. And so over a one-week period, you would co- try to cover every one-mile grid um, from the port, starting at the port, all the way up up the hill on the Claremont side and then back down um, on the uh, Park Boulevard side. And you would cover these north, south, east, west, and central quadrants. Now, you say, okay, well, how how do you protect the stone fruit? Like, what is the uh, what is the general mechanism? And this is where, again, we already took one step out of the scientific method, and you're going to have to take a leap of faith with me here. Uh, but the main mode of uh, checking stone fruits in California is a communication with sprites. And you might say, hold the phone, like, scoots, wait a second, like sprites. And it's a, yeah, like, um, I don't, like... Again, I'm not a scientist. Like I said, I just had enough biology credits. They were going to give me, I had this job. It was, even though it was my thirties, I think it was the highest paying job I ever had, which was like 16 bucks an hour and uh, it had benefits. And uh, so I wasn't going to question them. They said, you want me to communicate with sprites? Just teach me how. So sprites are, uh, uh, we'll learn a little bit more about them. But if you think about, there's fairies, right? Like Tinkerbell is a is a, a portrayal of a fairy and, and like insect in, insect like I think probably Tinkerbell's portrayed to be about this big. Sprites are much smaller, like a much smaller, like a sentient insect, I guess you'd say. We don't like we didn't have a lot of interaction with them. But the sprites like they uh, communicate with the trees. They monitor the trees. 
So as stone fruit protectors, our job was basically to maintain uh, the Sprite's houses and just check in with the Sprite paperwork. So, and, and as I explain this to you, you're going to start to see this everywhere. The Sprites don't let the truth out. I think one threw down, flew down my throat. Okay, so, so part of our job was to cover these grids over the week. So um, that's part of the job. And part of your job was uh, to maintain these Sprite houses. So the Sprite houses, we were checking. There, there's different Sprites that are experts in different fruit flies. And we won't get too deep into it. But there's two types of Sprite houses. There's these glass Sprite houses. And again, as the spring comes, if you start to look in your fruit trees, you'll see these glass houses hanging in these trees. They look like a giant jug, like a giant water jug. And so there's water in there, and then there's Sprite food pellets in there. You know, Sprites like to go in there. They like to swim. They like to frolic. I mean, again, they're very small, so it's not like I was witnessing any of this, but this is what they say around the, the coffee table at the Stone Fruit Protection Office. And then you had uh, A-frame houses. So the, the, there's these paperboard A-frame houses. And again, you will see these in trees. Don't touch them because they are covered by treaties between the sprites and the humans. And, and, and the sprites are busy. But so our job was to like, at the start of the day, we would get everything ready. So we had a county truck and it was this white pickup truck. And, and again, this isn't the X-Files. You're going to see these out there. And in the back of these white pickup trucks, there's a giant uh, water tank. And it, they're, they're usually like an off-white color. And then in the back of the truck are all these buckets. And you can even catch the shining of these glass houses. And so the water tank for the truck is to keep the, the water fresh for all the Sprites. And then in the back of the truck, we had equipment for building Sprite houses, repairing Sprite houses, and the 10-foot pole would be down the side of the truck. And so I think that, let's see, so that's the truck side, so the house building side. So, okay, so this is the important part. Let's get to the actual protection of the stone fruit and the, the paperwork, because as I said, this was a county job. Not only do the county like paperwork, scientists love paperwork and sprites love paperwork. So there, and my handwriting is terrible. So it's, I don't know how I find myself in like paperwork based jobs, but so there's a lot of paperwork and it was actually necessary. I don't know. This was about 10 years ago. So I don't know if now they've moved to a digital system. But so you had a, a, a um, what are they called, a clipboard where you were charting every stop in your route that you made. And then you had a mileage and a stop report that you would file at the end of the day so that the county knew you were doing your job and how, how far you drove and how much gas you used. And then you had these three-ring binders. And these were a bit like the Thomas Guide. So each one had your map in there. And then it had your north, south, east, west, and, and central quadrants. And then after that was property maps. And again, this is where we get into this male person analogy where you would ideally have maps of every property in your subgrid that had fruit trees. And you'd have it kind of mapped out like you'd have the house, you'd have the yard, you'd have little circles with the trees. 
And then you'd say like, oh, owner, you know, you can go in the backyard. The owner gave you permission or there's a mean dog or the trees that has fruit trees, but then never has fruit. So it's key to know your territory. I'm sure that, I guess, again, I'm assuming that uh, the U.S. Mail Service has some sort of similar mechanism. Now, this is where uh, the essential part of this job comes in is like, so not it wasn't just like simply checking the, the trees for stone fruit or just checking with the, the, the sprites. It wasn't that easy as I make it sound uh, and straightforward. Is uh, So you're also chasing the ripening of the fruit over the season. And the season runs from right about now until Thanksgiving because you always want the sprite houses to be in trees with ripe, with ripe uh, stone fruits. And, you know, that's not always ideal. So at this time of year, when the, the season starts, the stone fruit protection season, uh, as was my honor to say when I was a stone fruit protector, you would be checking like a citrus tree or an orange tree or a grapefruit or a pomelo because at least it had ripe fruit. It wasn't a stone fruit. And then slowly you would move out of the citrus and usually the first um, stone fruit to ripen is like an ornamental plum, it's called. And again, this is another tree you can observe out there. It's got these beautiful, dark, uh, like uh, ruby, purplish uh, leaves. They're very po- or they were very popular as ornamental trees, but they have these little cherry-like plums that they drop everywhere. And so those would be the first trees we would check because those would be the first fruits to get ripe. And then you would kind of look for a regular plum tree, and then you would advance from that, ideally into something like a nectarine. And then from the nectarine, the number one, the most in, in the state of California, according to the the, uh, the people that would test us throughout the year, was like the apricot or the apricot was the most desirable host, we called it. And uh, so you're always looking and trying to find as many apricot trees as you could and trying to get into them right when the apricots were ripe. And uh, and then it would be peaches after that. After peaches would be loquats, which again is another, looks like a, a orange, a pale orange berry almost. And then after that, you'd go back to citrus if you could. And it, you also wanted to keep rotating these uh, these uh, houses for the sprites from uh, every six weeks, ideally. So you were always in not only a, a ripe tree, but you were just getting a sampling of the all the properties in these uh, quadrants. And let's see, let's what are some more really stimulating and interesting details? So oh, so the um, the glass houses, and again, you really got to keep an eye out for these. They're called McPhails, uh, and it's a PH McPhail. I, I assume after the scientist, uh, uh, Roberta McPhail, she was the first person, the first human to communicate with sprites. And she, she's one, man, I mean, again, this is history that's glossed over. You're not going to hear about this on the internet even, you know, but she's, you know, they talk about nominating someone for the Nobel Prize or great, whatever the great agricultural prize is, you know, the track you know, the golden tractor, like she should, she should have it all. But so those are called McPhails. And then the paper houses are just called paper houses. So each route, it had uh, 76 uh, glass houses and then 76 paper houses. And uh, 
the paper houses would get serviced every two weeks and the glass houses would get serviced every single week because it was, they were water-based. You didn't want the water to dry out. The sprites would get, they couldn't, if the sprites can't frolic, they can't do their jobs. So, and they also eat the, the food that's in there. And so usually over the course of the week, you had about 130 stops because you were trying to relocate 33% I didn't think there would be math here because I'm not good at math, but you want to relocate 33% of your uh, Sprite houses each time. So uh, I think that covers the actual Sprite housing details. So a lot, again, like people say, well, geez, what's it like working with Sprites and what do they teach you? Again, you're not giving us enough details. And I would say, I don't know if anybody here has worked with celebrities before or even someone like sprites are considered talent. Like that's what like sprites are talent. You're a stone fruit protector. And that was like, it was written on a sign above every door in the agriculture. It was just remember like sprites will speak to you. Sprites will leave you messages. Like you don't, you know, don't bug the sprites, which of course it didn't take me long to, to disregard all that. But I mean, when they're training us, they're like, imagine like talk therapy or whatever. It's not that different. The sprites are very attuned to the trees. They're attuned to the fruit. And they're aware of any changes in, in the tree's moods, the tree's, the droopiness. And they're going to look into it so that if a, a like a, a, if some fruit fly that could not be good for the tree is there, uh, the sprites are going to know about it. And then they'll just leave you paperwork. They'll leave you a message. And when you're cleaning their house, you, they just throw the message that down. And you say, oh, boy, uh, like whatever, like oh, there's a Mediterranean fruit fly. Uh, now, this never happened. Apparently, after I left, like two years later, there was constant sprite messages. But I, when I was there, the only sprite messages we got was the state would come and plant messages to make sure we were actually checking, like actually doing our jobs. Like, uh, but so of course I was like, okay, like, uh, I need to get to know these sprites and you know, one way, you know, I'm not just good at being boring. I'm also goofy. So I would like be like, okay, like I'll get the sprites attention by being coy. I don't know if that's the right word, but like, uh, kind of getting on their nerves is what I would try to do. Because I was like, I don't know, that, that, like if I don't really bug them, I guess I didn't realize that was kind of a pun. So I would like hang out there and I would ponder questions that, you know, I'd say, man, like a, I want, if I was a Sprite, what would I want more of? You know, a man, like I wish I, you know, I guess I'd wonder what the humans would want. And I would just kind of leave these open-ended questions and then I would go on my way. Be like, oh, I wonder if any Sprites would want any treats or it, it, you know, I wonder, you know, frolicking in these giant uh, jugs all day must be great. And, and, and staying attuned to the trees is something humans are constantly trying to do is getting in touch with nature. But, I, you know, I don't know if, you know, maybe there is a downside to being a sprite. Like maybe they want someone to entertain them. And, uh, like, like, like maybe they could like leave me a message. Like maybe I could start checking their trees instead of just with my pole and my pickup truck. I, I, and that I said, you know, what conveyances would a Sprite want me to show up to, to, and, and then the first message I got was like, oddly enough, scooter. So I got one of those razor scooters and then I would ride around with my pole 
And I didn't realize that all the homeowners would call the, the stone fruit trapping office on me and tell on me, but it for it worked for a while. And uh, like I could, I I could almost detect sprites giggling. And then I would say, like, uh, uh, I'd say, man, if I was a sprite, I would want my nickname to be like my favorite flower. And it, and then I, you know, also I'd like do odes to sprites, like just like I do on the podcast, even though I never saw them, because I, I said, don't bring them. Like I said, don't break the illusion. I mean, anybody that works with celebrities or hosts or whatever or talent, they say, they said, you really want to know what that person's really like? Trust me. So uh, I, I, did, I never I got to know the sprites really well. And so as I, I would say, oh, and then one time I saw, saw like sweet pea. So then I started for a while, I was like, say, oh, my sweet pea sprites, uh, or another one of a group of sprites I would call my sweet tulip sprites because I knew they liked tulips. And then I would keep out for other things. It's this one time uh, I could have sworn there was a message for me. Again, these are written in some sort of sprite code. So I, other than the really, but I could have sworn it said rickshaw. So then I, I made like a, a paperclip rickshaw that I was imagine like, I guess was, maybe I should have been in like a flea. What are those things called? A flea show? What are those called? Like a flea circus. Like maybe I could do that one day, like a Sprite, a Sprite circus. Cause I made a rickshaw and it disappeared. So I don't know if the Sprites used it or not. Uh, then I like, a like this one was just like, a, I was like standing there. Like tr- again, it was like whatever I was trying to do, like, this is the worst kind of rapport building you can imagine. But I just pretended I like, and I like I was just doing this in front of a sprite house for like hours, like like I stand in there, and then I said, "Man, if I was a sprite, I'd wonder what this guy's doing." I said, "I'm hitchhiking. You know, any sprites want to give me a ride? That's what I'm doing. I'm hitchhiking." Uh, and then I, I this was this was another one because one one thing is like it was during the week, so there wasn't a lot of good garage sales. But I could see the signs when all the garage sales were coming up. And so this one garage sale, I, I picked up a pogo stick and, and I said, and then I kept it in the truck. And I said, man, I wonder if a, if I was a Sprite, I'd wonder. I guess I did this at every stop, too. I said, wonder what a pogo stick is. Dude. That's an interesting human word, huh? Pogo stick. And then I just left that there. Then a week later, I'd come back. I would hold the pogo stick up like at my truck, then I'd put it down and do go about my job. Then like right as I'm getting ready to leave the tree, I'd say, Well that yeah, that was a pogo stick. I wonder what it does. If I was a sprite, I'd like to sure like to know. And then you know, eventually I started like well, only once I tried to change out a sprite house with a pogo stick and it dropped. So I got if because you had to write a report if you broke a sprite house, a glass one, because this the county said that they weren't worried about us driving around all day, but they were worried about us breaking Sprite houses. Uh, um, another one, I, I liked to, another group of Sprites I named the Night Sky Petunias, and I imagined that they were a group of singers, uh, that, again, I, that I could manage. And they said, if you're talent, like you must be talented at something. And then I said, oh, wait, uh, communicating with trees to protect the state from invasive fruit flies but uh, that was another thing i imagined um I, what another time i put dandelions in my ears and i just like uh, i like tried to pretend even though this it wasn't a mirror like i tried to pretend like it was a mirror for like way too long 
And I was like, how's, how's this dad? Like, okay, these are my dandelions. Like, uh, but I didn't get a response from that. Uh, monorail. I, I, I was, I did try to bring up the monorail, but then I was like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to deliver on this? So then there was a Simpsons episode with a monorail song. So I just started singing that monorail song. Um, Marigold. Uh, oh, that was like an imaginary friend or an assistant. I said, uh, like that was like another two weeks, man, to keep me entertained. I said, oh, this is my assistant Marigold. Uh, she's just going to be checking in with you today. And it, it, I don't know. I wish I could have communicated with these sprites to know, like, or maybe they just put reports. I said, uh, Marigold, what do you think about the Sprite House? Oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Oh, yeah. Let's get it shined up. Uh, and another one was a calla lily. I guess it, like, I guess sometimes I would pick flowers, not out of people's houses, but up in the Oakland Hills, like, there was plenty of spots where there were, like, wildflowers. And, uh, like the, this most pre podcast for me, but I pretended the Kyle Lily was a microphone and I would talk into it and I'd be like, do you have any comment, any comments from the Sprites? Like, and I say, how's, how's your day going today? How's, are you currently frolicking or are you uh, talking to the trees? Like, okay. Uh, Marigold, what do you, what do you have to say? So, I, I mean, again, I don't know if I got on their ner- nerves or anything, and then I started to imagine that, uh, like when I would do the poll, also I would change arms every stop. I guess I do have like a touch of like compulsions, but I was like, I don't want my arm, one of my arms to be mis- like a pole arm. So, so I was very, but I would always pretend the Sprite house was a, a gondola. Like, cause you'd take your pole and then you'd hook it around the tree branch. I guess I never explained that part, but so you'd reach up and you're looking for a spot in the tree like that had just enough sunlight uh, to uh, like to to keep the sprites interest. You know they like it to be temperate, but not too hot, not too cold. But I would you know pretend they were a gondola and swing them around like that. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a dream job. It, I mean, the problem was that the only downside of the job was that you were only employed nine months of the year. So between Thanksgiving and uh, April first, you were unemployed. And you could collect unemployment, which I always found strange. It's like, well, I, so I still have a job, I guess, because it was seasonal. Uh, but it did work. I mean, it did, did work for a while. And I, I think, like, the thing it was, uh, it, it really made me, I just consumed so much audio in, in the hills of Oakland when I was talking to these sprites. And I guess I, I didn't realize how much material I tested out that would become future po- pod- sleep podcast material. Um but so I think this spring and this summer, if you just keep your eyes out uh, when you're out on the streets, uh, you can look for anything. They're usually white pickup trucks. And again, this is like benign. It's not like the X-Files stuff. You say a white pickup truck with a big water thing in the back. That's a stone fruit protector. Don't ask them if they're stone fruit protector because they're sworn to... Also, the oh, stone fruit protectors are sworn to secrecy. So... Don't tell anybody about this. Um, but uh, and then keep an eye on the trees, especially like right now. You'll keep an eye on um, uh, the citrus trees and, and really start to notice. Like I would have never known what a loquat was. Uh, talk about an unappreciated stone fruit. 
and and actually like uh, the, the, another perk of the job was uh, eating peaches like right out of a tree, a sun sun warmed peach. I think I made an intro about that, about how nice it would be to have a peach based business where you just had tubs of peaches and you could put your feet in warm peaches. Like that's my, if I open a spa, that's what it'll be. But um, I could take, taste those peaches. Uh, but I think it, how it aligns with the podcast is that there's all this hidden things going on out there that are just outside if you just slow down enough uh, to notice. And, you know, sometimes, you know, scientists would say, uh, bah humbug at this, but, uh, you know, the, 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 I guarantee everyone in this room will probably see a Sprite house before next Thanksgiving. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming out tonight and, uh, let's see, how do I bring this back? So, uh, actually like, uh, okay. Like, so usually I do a quick Q and a here, so I'll do a, a, a practice question. So then, so I worked there for um, a few years and then I got hooked on taking these tests. So then I took, uh, I was taking more and more tests and I, I took a test to, um, it, I started trying to figure out any tests I would qualify for. The, the one test, the one dream job that probably would also led to the podcast that I tried to qualify for was bridge tender. Uh, which in Alameda is actually pretty, like there's three bridges. Uh, that's actually a jo- full-time, full-paid jobs, just chilling up there. I don't know if you can listen to podcasts, though, or write. I, I would. I can't imagine how much writing you could get done there. And they'd say, why hasn't the bridge gone up? They'd say, oh, Scoots is working. Um, but that led me to actually work for the library, which actually led me uh, somehow to make this podcast. Uh, so I, without protection of stone fruit uh i don't know where i'd be uh thank you everybody for coming out uh uh, give yourselves like the finger applause uh for a good job and if anybody has any questions i can answer them if anybody didn't get any coasters uh you can say that what you're wearing are pajamas and i will believe you whatever you're wearing um yeah if anybody has any questions 